Hi, this is Michael Buffer, and welcome to the Box Hard Podcast. Hello, everyone. This is Mikey Garcia. It's the monster from the swamp, Regis Ruguru Program. Hey, what's up? This is King Carlos Molina, former IBF world champ. This is Michael, the bounty hunter, 2012 Olympian and your people's champ. This is Charlie Edwards, flyweight champion of the world. This is Fast Eddie Chambers, and you're listening to the Box Hard Podcast with my main man, Joey Coastman. Hello, everybody, and welcome to episode 424 of the Box Hard Podcast. I'm your host, Joey Coastman. I'm joined, as ever, by former heavyweight world title challenger, the main man himself, Mr. Fast Eddie Chambers. Eddie, how are you doing this week, my friend? I'm doing great, my man. How about you? Always good when speaking with you, Eddie. We're going to dive straight into the review part of the show. We're going to start here at the Hippodrome Municipal in France over here. Segaline Lefabre, um, 17 and 0 now, 18 and 0. A majority decision over 10 twos against the UK's Ticey Gallagher, who's now 6 and 2. It was for the WBO World Super Bantamweight title. Ticey Gallagher getting a draw on one card and the other two cards for the French. For the, the I was going to say Frenchman, French lady. Um, didn't see the fight, but um. I think someone was there giving kind of like a breakdown round by round, which was quite helpful. Um, so, yeah, you know, I, I hoped that Ticey Gallagher could win that fight. Obviously, one judge had it a draw, like I say. It's hard to go out there to France and win, you know, in your opponent's backyard, especially over two rounds, uh, sorry, two two minute rounds. So, um, yeah, she was cut, Ticey Gallagher. I think the nose uh, was damaged, but... Yeah, she she uh, she fought you know she fought well there against a very good fighter. She was the underdog, and um, yeah, she's she's uh, she's going to come again, Ticey Gallagher. I think she has enough to win a world title at some point. Uh, moving now to the York Hall Bethnal Green. Um, let's start here with um, I don't know if it was the main event. I think it may have been Mark Chamberlain now fourteen and oh a TKO for him in the tenth and final round against Art Joms Ramlavs, who's now sixteen and three. Um I did say I'd be quite surprised if Mark Chamberlain had an easy time with him, and obviously he didn't have an easy time with him at all. Um I said he'd 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 do well to stop him, and he managed to get him out in the tenth and final round, almost came true with the Mark Chamberlain on points at three to one. It was for the IBF European lightweight title. Um Chamberlain Cut over the right eye in round seven. Ramlavs down prior to the stoppage. Really messy, scrappy kind of fight. Ramlavs, Ramlavs was there, obviously, to win. Um, took a lot of shots, showed a great chin. I didn't realize that he was moving up a weight to fight Chamberlain. That obviously worked against him. Um, you know, he gave away a lot of height there. He was a much smaller guy. But, yeah, he was tough. He took his licks. He was just kind of, you know, sticking in there. Um, soaking up a lot of shots, coming back with his own. He put Chamberlain in some serious bother. I think Chamberlain, uh, his cut, I thought initially, I thought initially it was from a head clash, but what the replay showed it was clearly from a punch. And um, it was it was really a, a terrible cut. You know, he was really struggling with that Chamberlain. Um, but yeah, I think the stoppage was a bit dodgy. Um, 
trying to remember now what happened. It's hard sometimes when it's been a few days, but but um, he didn't really complain about it. But yeah, Ramlaz will feel hard done by, I think. Also on the card, Henry Turner now 12-0, a unanimous decision there over 10, over 10 rounds against Billy Allington, who's still never been stopped, 11-3 with four draws. I did think Henry Turner would win that on points. Um... Henry Turner cut in the 10th and final round on his left eye. That one was for the WBC International Silver Super Lightweight title. Another good win there for Henry Turner. On the card as well, Liam Williams. Um, I did say I was quite shocked that they set the over-under at 1.5 rounds. They ended up moving it to 2.5 rounds in the end because I think 1.5 was a bit of a stretch. But he made that look foolish because he got him out in just one round. Um, Liam Williams now 25-4 and four with a draw. Nice way to have your 30th fight there. Um, he was able to TKO in the first round Florin Cardos, who's now 22-6. and six. I believe that's the quickest he's been stopped. Cardos down prior to the stoppage. Uh, ben Fow as well on the card. Um, he is 5-0 and now, I think, with four KOs. He got in there with... I'm not going to say a tough journeyman. The guy was 4-7. and seven. He's now 4-8. and eight. But he'd only been stopped once in his previous seven losses. But he was down um, down and TKO'd in round two. So that's a statement, I think, for Ben Fowl. He seems like he's going to be a bit of a problem. Moving now to the free arena in Dublin, Ireland over here. This one was live on zone. Let's just go straight to the main event. If you saw any of this, Eddie, then jump in by all means. If you didn't, then I'm going to fly through these rounds. Um, round one. I gave, oh yeah, I haven't even talked about who, who who was fighting in the main event. I'm sure you all know who was fighting in the main event, though. Chantel Cameron, now 18-1. and one. She lost to Katie Taylor in the rematch. Uh, majority decision over 10 two-minute rounds. Katie Taylor now 23-1. and one. It was, of course, for the IBF, IBO, WBA, WBC, and WBO World Super Lightweight titles. The undisputed belts at 140. Cameron cut on the forehead and the nose. Taylor cut over the left eye. Um... Yeah, round one I gave to Cameron. Um, Taylor was was 100% dropped by a jab in that round. I think she was off balance, but it was definitely a knockdown. The referee didn't give it. I could not believe it. You know, sometimes you see a knockdown on the blind side, the blind side of the referee. Sometimes you see a guy get knocked down kind of in the corner a little bit where it's hard to kind of know what landed. This wasn't that. It was right in the middle of the ring. Everyone saw it. The referee couldn't have been in a better position. It was so clear to see. But referee said it was a slip. Unbelievable. Because that ended up being crucial, I think. Because obviously, if you're down in the first round, it's going to it's gonna impact the, the course of the rest of the fight. Um, anyway, Cameron landed some lovely backhands. Taylor was doing her usual fighting in quick combos, but nothing with any weight landing from her. I felt that Cameron did more damage, so I gave her that round 10-9. Even though I definitely felt it should have been a 10-8. Um, Katie Taylor then turned it round. It was a close round in the second round. The round ended with both girls trading big shots. Again, I felt Chantel had the better of that particular type of exchange, but I did like the early work in the round from Taylor. So I gave Taylor round two. Round three I gave to Taylor as well. Chantel was looking a little bit frustrated already. It was starting to kind of seep in. You could see it. Katie was trying to hustle her a little bit. You know, a lot of bad head clashes as well. Cameron was cut from one. Um, round four, Taylor round. Her footwork was doing her a lot of favours. She was hitting and moving, not fighting Cameron's fight. 4-1 in round five because I gave Katie that round as well. Uh, so she'd won four on the bounce. 
Um, Cameron was really struggling to sustain any kind of consistent attack. Katie was just getting the better of it. Her hand speed and foot speed were key to her success. Uh, round six, I gave to Chantel. Both girls were looking a little bit tired, I felt. Um, Chantel needed to be targeting the body of Taylor a bit more, I felt, because she just needed to slow her down a bit. But I felt Taylor seemed a bit tired in that sixth round, and maybe it was an indicator that Cameron would put some momentum together after, you know, losing a few rounds in a row. Cameron also did look a bit tired herself, but obviously, if both girls are tired and both girls are kind of, you know, less mobile, it's going to work in Cameron's favour, really, because she's she's the more heavy-handed and uh, picks her shots better at times. Um, yeah, so Cameron round in round six, so I had it 4-2 to Katie Taylor. Round seven I gave to Cameron as well, for sure. The action really heated up. Katie continuously was holding on the inside. The referee wasn't telling her off. The corner of Cameron were going crazy. Jamie Moore in the corner. They needed to do more. They needed to do more. They needed to make more noise I felt because Taylor was starting to do it again and again I felt that she should have at least been warned by round seven at least um for free to to um Katie Taylor round eight I gave to Cameron I felt she was starting to finally get to Katie in that round she hurt her a few times in the eighth round so I had it four four um round nine I I thought at this point clearly the referee has to be against Chantel Cameron. It was one of the worst refereeing displays I'd seen in a long, long time. The commentary team also weren't saying a thing about it. It was really frustrating. Um, you know, let's 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 be honest. Katie Taylor is the golden girl, right? She's the one who they want to win. She's with the zone, she's with Eddie Hearn, she's with Ireland. And it looked like she was with the judge, or not the judge, sorry, the the, the referee as well. Um you could see, like, no warning at all about the holding at any point. And what's crazy is we've seen after the fight, Chantel posted a video of her trainer, Jamie Moore, speaking with the referee before the bout. And he was saying, watch the holding, watch the holding, watch her going in with the head. And the referee took it all on board and did absolutely nothing. It was almost as if, because when I first watched the video, I thought, whoa, this must have been recorded after the fight because Jamie Moore has just described everything that happened in the fight. But no, he actually said it before the fight. So he knew exactly what Katie Taylor was going to do. Um, that referee, by the way, I want to have a little look at him. Roberto Ramirez Jr. from from Puerto Rico. Um, he was actually the referee for Logan Paul and Dylan Dennis, where he DQ'd Dylan Dennis. Wow, oh wow. Um, Jesus Christ almighty. Yeah, he's, he's, he's refereed quite a few women's fights by the looks of it. Um, okay, yeah, I'd like to have another little look at him because I thought he did an awful job. It was terrible. Um... Yeah, I think Taylor may have stole that ninth round, by the way, getting back on track. Um, again, that was a moment where I thought that, that that knockdown that wasn't called, you know, it's a crucial crucial time in the fight now. If that knockdown had, had have been called, it would have been all square going into the tenth round. And, um, you know, at that point, whoever won the tenth would have won the fight on my card, at least. But yeah, round ten, I actually did give to Taylor again. So in the end, I had it 6-4 to Katie Taylor. And I just thought the referee was a bit of a disgrace. Um, I'm going to stand, you know, I'm going to die on that heel. Um, the referee was shocking. Didn't warn Katie once. Even at times he had to try to yank Katie off of Chantel because she was clinging on. And when she was being told to let go, she wasn't letting go. She was still holding on because she was so tired. Chantel's trying to make a fight of it. And um, it was, it was honestly, it looked like corruption. And I don't like to say that word, 
too lightly, but I felt it was that bad. It was that blatant. And the referee made me quite sick. So, yeah, wasn't happy with that one at all. And the less said, the better on it, actually. Um, spoken to Chantel after the fight. Um, and, yeah, I'm not going to say much about that conversation, but not best pleased is all I will say. Um, on the undercard, Gary Cully with a bit of a questionable win, a split decision win over 10 rounds. He's now 17-1 and one against Reese Mould, who's now 18-2. and two. Um, Yeah, I thought Cully would probably stop Reese Mould, to be honest with you. Not that... Not that... Um, not that I was overly confident, but, you know, I felt that the price of four to six for a Cully KO, just the, the the difference in two guys' size, I thought, you know, Cully's going to be back here wanting to make a statement. You know, he's worked hard to, to come back, but he gets in with a with a tough fighter in Reese Mould, actually. You know, I gave him credit for stepping in with Reese Mould right off the back of being being stopped in that very same venue in his very last fight, but, um, yeah, a bit of a shaky kind of fight, really, Gary Cully got caught with a few shots and looked a little bit vulnerable at times, um, it's just mad, like, that, that one last fight he had, all of a sudden, now he's, he seems quite fragile, he's a friend of the show, I wish him all the best, but a lot of people felt Reese Mould did enough there, you know, his, his team were, were, you know, devastated, actually, when they didn't get the decision, it was a split, so that might tell a story of its own being in Ireland, but, yeah, Gary Cully was very lucky there to get the win, I felt, um, on the card as well, quite an impressive performance from Paddy Donovan, I was really impressed, a TKO for him in round four against Danny Ball, Paddy Donovan now 12-0, and Danny Ball now 13-2 uh, with a draw. Ball down twice in round four. He's corner through the towel in. Again, I thought that this one would probably go the distance. I thought Danny Ball was good enough to, you know, to to have, to have put in a good account of himself. And maybe, <laughs> it sounds bad now, but maybe even pull off the upset. How wrong I was. Um, I hadn't seen too much of Donovan, but he was really, really impressive. I like his balance. Um, really good balance. I like the way, you know, his feet were really, really strong, planted to the spot, and he, he he was moving in and out of distance, you know, looking really good, actually. I think his footwork was excellent, Paddy Donovan, and obviously there's a lot of spite in those punches. He ticked a few boxes there. Can't wait to see him out again. Also on the card as well, friend of the show, Sky Nicholson, boxed for the WBC Interim World Featherweight title. She managed to get her first TKO of her career. She's now 9-0 with a ninth round TKO against Lucy Wildheart, who's now 10-3. Wildheart's corner through the towel in there. Um, Zelfa Barrett now 30-2. A points win for him over eight rounds against Costin Ion, who's now 10-5 with two draws. Bit of a tough guy, Ion. He was cutting round seven over his right eye. But he's a bit of a tough guy. Doesn't have the prettiest record. Better than his record suggests. Hard to look good against. I think Zelfa Barrett for a few rounds didn't look that great, but then he seemed to kind of close the show quite well. Um, it's just one of those fights, really. Banks eight rounds there. Probably didn't do himself too many favours with the performance, but I don't think you can expect too much against someone like Costin Ion, to be honest with you, but Zelfa Barrett won comfortably. Also on the card as well, Thomas Carty, now 7-0, a TKO against Dan Garber, who's now... 5-2, and two, Garber down prior to the stoppage. That one was a really boring fight, actually, until, you know, until the stoppage. Um, yeah, it was, it was quite an awful watch, actually. I expected a little bit more from Thomas Carty. He got the TKO in the eighth and final round. Moving now to the Emperor's Palace in Kempton Park, South Africa. Over here, Kevin Lorena with a unanimous decision. I haven't seen this fight, but um, I think he hurt Senad Gashi early on. May have even dropped him. 
But Kevin Lorena, in the end, um, managed to, like I say, get the unanimous decision over 12 rounds. 30-2 and two now, his record, Senad Gashi, now 27-4. and four. He's still quite a tough guy, doesn't really get stopped. And for every moment he's in the fight, he is dangerous with, with that amount of knockouts to his name. And moving now to the final card to mention, it went down at the Michelob Ultra Arena, or Michelob Ultra Arena, forgot how they were saying it now on the commentary, in Las Vegas, Nevada, USA, on Showtime pay-per-view. Going to start with the undercard briefly here. Vito Milnicki Jr., he got in there with the quite tough and durable Alexis Flores, who's now 25-6. and six. I thought that this one... Uh, could go a few rounds, but no, he was down three times in the first round, Flores, and Vito Milnicki with the first round TKO, he's now 16-1, and one. big statement there, um, bit of an upset on the undercard as well, Pablo Vicente lost a unanimous decision over 10 rounds, he's now 23-2, and two. he lost to Mohamed Kuja Yakubov, who used to be ranked quite highly with the WBO at Super Featherweight, I think he boxed um, Oshiki Foster, if I'm not mistaken, for the vacant world title, Oshiki Foster beat him, and yeah, he's a good fighter, and he was thrown in there, expected to lose, and he pulled off the upset, he's now 21-1, and also on the card, I didn't see this one, I don't know if you did, Eddie, if you did jump in, Sergei Lipanets now 17-3 and with a draw, he lost a unanimous decision over 10 rounds to Michelle Rivera, who's now 25-1, and um, Michelle Rivera, if I'm not mistaken, uh, received a six-month suspension for having PEDS in his system uh, earlier this year, and he, he bounced back there. I'm not, you know, I'm not really a big fan of his after that. And he he needs to get his own style as well. I think, you know, he's got the Muhammad Ali haircut going on, and wears the shorts that say Ali and all the rest of it. And he lost his last fight to Frank Martin. Got in there with Lipinets. I thought it was going to be quite an interesting one, actually, because Lipinets was coming off a good win against Omar Figueroa last year after bouncing back after losing to Jaron Ennis. But anyway, he lost narrowly on points there over 10 rounds. The scorecards 97-93 twice and 96-94 for Rivera. Um, Lipinets is a friend of the show, I think. I think we had him on a few years ago, if I'm not mistaken. Also on the card, Eddie, Jamal Charlo, now 33-0. and Unanimous decision there over 10 rounds against the ever-so-tough and game. Jose Benavidez Jr., now 28-3 and with a draw. Um, yeah, it was, was a, quite an interesting fight, actually. I'm going to, I'm going to just, well, I'm not going to go through the rounds on it, but, um, I was quite impressed with Jamal Charlo, I'm going to be honest with you. I don't know what, what some people were expecting, but for me, I felt he didn't look rusty in any way, considering he'd been out the ring for two and a half years. It would have been nice to have seen a stoppage, but we know how tough Benavidez is. Um, but yeah, I could see a lot of people online kind of during the fight criticising um, but I thought he looked quite sharp, you know, he put his punches together nicely, threw some good combinations, didn't seem to have any gas tank problems, even though he went 10 rounds, he threw a lot more punches than usual as well, his punch output was really high, and I just think he came up against a very game guy with a solid chin, who probably needed a win to kind of reignite his career, so no criticism from me on Charlo, I thought he looked good, and I can't wait to see him again. I'm sure you saw it. What did you make of that one before we get to the the uh, the main the main event or the main two or the main three other fights? There's so much going on. Yeah, yeah. I thought I thought he looked good considering you know all the talk early uh, 
you know, about him, you know, not, oh, I didn't have to really do this or that, you know, getting ready for that fight. I mean, I don't know, you know, a lot of that stuff is just said to, you know, you know, make it seem like he's he's not he's not taking it as serious. And you know that sometimes guys do that to get guys off their game. But um, yeah, I mean, I actually thought that he looked impressive in a lot of ways. You know, his jab was good. His timing actually looked good, considering he'd been off two years and looked like he had no issue with timing. Um, landing some good uppercuts. Got a really good uppercut too. A lot of good things uh, uh, that I seen would have been this fight. And like like you said, Jose Benavidez is, you know, he's no he's no bum. You know what I mean? He's the kind of guy that comes in there and he's gonna give the best account of himself or at least try, you know, do his best and, and put effort in there. And I just thought that he got outclassed. I thought Jamal looked really sharp. You know, good shots was thrown, like I said, good punch selection. Uh defense wasn't terrible either. You know what I mean? There was a couple of good things he did defensively. So yeah, all in all, uh good job. Good job, there you go, a double stamp of approval there. Moving up the card once again, um, this one was a fun fight while it lasted. It was a pleasure to see Subriel Matias now 20-1. and one. Again, I don't know if you saw this. If you did, Eddie, definitely chime in. Did you see it, by the way, before I come to you? I seen, like, and I really like Matias. I, I, I really like his, he's, he's, he's like, a, he has an awkward kind of style. But I do like I like him. I like him as a fighter. I remember I seen him fight a few years ago, um, and was I really enjoyed you know what he did. He was like quick handed and heavy handed, but it, it's just to me some of the stuff that he does seems somewhat effortless. Like he just it's just I don't know. It just happens. And it's like I said, it's an awkward, weird style. And maybe some would look at me and say, "You like this kind of thing?" But uh, but but no, he, he's he's showing a lot. And crazy enough, I bet on it. <laughs> and I bet on a, I bet on a few, and my parlay didn't work out. Yeah, but my and my parlay didn't work out oh, because no. I did something you backed, stupid. You backed Andre, didn't you? You know I did. You know I had to. <laughs> the odds were too good. You crazy? The odds crazy were too good. And, and and guess why? And guess why? And let me tell you, Joe. If I would have put a hundred on it, I would have won twenty three thousand for my parlay. And this is the worst part. You put a thousand on Taylor. it. <laughs> yeah, go ahead. No, 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 no. I ain't put. I only put ten, so I was gonna get twenty three, twenty three hundred. But I put uh, Katie Taylor to win. Got that right. Um, also, Lamont Roach to win. Got that right. Uh, and then uh, Sabriel uh, Matias to win. Got all three of those right. The problem I didn't is that I didn't take Matthias for a stoppage. I should have done that in mid rounds, but I, you know, I was just trying to get it right. You know what I mean? Then I had to do this, and I'm, you know, I'm gonna look like an idiot now after I'd predicted all the others. And this is the worst part, Joe. I predicted the way that the fight, the main event, ended. I predicted it. I knew it was gonna happen. I knew that it was only only a matter of time. I knew it. But I said, shit, I'm listening to you know, me and Ant. We're talking about it and different guys. And I'm saying, you know what? He is a hell of a fighter. He can box his ass off. Maybe in some weird situation that he's able to figure out a way to hustle his way and possibly get a decision. I didn't think he could stop him. So 
put it on for him and a decision. Then I said, okay, let me look for some contingency plans. Let me see if just in case. So I start looking for ways to kind of, you know, if he drops uh, uh, Andrade and he gets up and if he does this and that. And then I even put one on him to win by decision. None of them came through and I lost my parlay. And it was all because I went against my own plan, my own my own uh, idea of how that fight was going to end. I went against myself, and I paid the price. That's the last time I'm going to go against myself, for sure, uh, with, with these bets. And the thing is, you know, I had a horrible week of, <laughs> of betting, and, and it was all because, first of all, I was kind of a rookie with the whole thing because I don't really do that. For, for the most part, especially sports bets. But this time, but on boxing, it, I go against myself because, you know, I'm thinking of, I'm looking at the odds. I'm looking at the possibility of winning this and that. And, you know, I get three of them right, which were three ones that were, I think, difficult ones to pick and to hope to get right when the last two were really easy. And I lose it on the last two fights because I decided to go against my my better judgment. So... Like I said, Joe, as much as that, you know, it's fun, but it ain't fun losing money. So I'm not gonna do that again. I'm gonna if if I'm gonna go down, I'm gonna go down with my with my own IQ and and, and picking fights and and games and different things like that to to my standard. And I'm not gonna go against it. So, but that was all I just had to add that in there. Sorry. It's all good, my man. Um, but yeah, back on to what I was saying. Subaru Matias now twenty and one a retirement. Uh, against Shojohan Ergashev, who's now lost his O. He's now 23 and 1. It was for Matias's IBF World Super Lightweight title. Um, yeah, really, really, really good fight. I enjoyed it. Um, good action. Interesting tactics from um, from Ergashev. You know, he uh, I think he just came in to try and get an early knockout. He tried his best early on, but Matias just took those shots and started to break Ergashev down. And that's the fifth man in a row to quit on their store against Matias, which is a scary statistic. Um, particularly Matias. I mean, he's he's a bit of a wrecking ball. He, he throws every single shot with mean intentions and. Something that I saw is he double up on the left hook, bang, bang, from really, really close up. But somehow both the shots are powerful as, as hell. Like, you know, you think like uh, both those shots are going to both carry like knockout power. Well, they do. <laughs> Barely any room to kind of get, you know, get, uh, what's the, you know, get space to kind of really wind it up. But man, he's a really hard punching guy and he's always fun to watch and yeah, it was it was really fun against Ergashev. I bet on that fight to not go the distance. You could pretty much put your house on that. Both guys were massive punchers. Um, also on the card you mentioned it, Eddie. Hector Luis Garcia lost his WBA World Super Featherweight title. He's now 16-2. and two. Um, A split decision loss over 12 rounds to Lamont Roach who's now the new world champion. His second attempt at the title. Now 24 and one with a draw um the one loss of course came the first the first uh time he boxed for a world title against jamel herring um garcia down in round 12 um yeah talk to me about that one eddie and what you saw of it i hate to say this oh you didn't see it you didn't see it. it's all good but all no good. but 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 i i saw like little parts and things like that uh, maybe like a, a part or two of it. I think it was only to recap. 
But it was just crazy because, you know, I thought Hector Luis Garcia was was also, you know, I thought he's a good fighter. He's got the great amateur background. He could punch. He's just a good fighter. And he upset, remember, he upset the uh, the odds Chris with um, with Chris Colbert, right? And I'm like, damn, you know, I, you would you would expect that he would be able to do it. But I've heard a little bit about Lamont Roach, and he's pretty good. And I think, you know, we talked about him a little bit on the on the pod. And I'm like, all right, cool. So, you know, maybe that's an opportunity. So, once again, with the whole betting thing, and crazy enough, I got it right. <laughs> and that one, I think, was one that I was kind of teetering. Like, I don't know. I haven't seen enough of this kid. But I've seen Hector Luis Garcia, and I know he's 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 got it. He's good. I mean, he could fight, at least. And it just, you know... I was only a little surprised that he actually took it. So, you know, congratulations to him. Shout out to him. And, uh, you know, hopefully, it's, you know, that it, winning could be in a, being that he is able to win it in his second track crack at the title is awesome, is, is an awesome feeling. I wish I could say that I had to, uh, I could uh, say it from experience, but unfortunately I didn't. And I'm, you know, I'm looking forward to the future for him. I'm hoping he's, I'm hoping he does well. Yeah. All the best to him. Um, it's, it's interesting as well to note that there was a knockdown in the final round there and um, Roach ended up winning that round 10-8 and that made a big difference to the scorecards by the way because um, I just want to get them up obviously it was a split decision we had the final scorecards the widest one was 116-111 for, for Roach but then we had 114-113 either way so that knockdown was, was crucial there um, to, to, to secure the win so a close fight but a lot of people felt it shouldn't have even been that close so uh, but yeah happy for Roach seems like a seems like a good guy and hopefully we get him on the show soon um, who else to mention there I think that's the undercard cleared out now yeah let's get to it the main event David Benavidez now 28 and 0 his opponent retired um, Demetrius Andrade in the corner there 32 and 1 um, Andrade down in round 4 Sixth round retirement, like I say, for the WBC interim world super middleweight title. Um, gonna run through these rounds real briefly. Round one was a close round. I think Andrade landed with an eye-catching combination right on the bell to end the round. I might have just edged it to him just based on that. I don't think too much action really went down in round one, but again, let's give that Andrade round to him. Um, round two, another kind of eventless round, really. Not sure who to score the round two. Maybe Andrade. Andrade to his credit, was offsetting Benavidez. Um, Andre was being so unorthodox, coming in with strange angles, jumping in and out, switching stances, depending on the punch he threw. He seemed to be bamboozling Benavidez a little bit. Round three I gave to Benavidez. It was, for me, the easiest round to score so far at that point. Round four... Um, Thomas Taylor, I felt, the referee Thomas Taylor, I felt was a little bit against Andre. He seemed like he was on Benavidez's side. Uh, I think he was a little bit harsh with the telling off and stuff. I didn't think Andre did too much wrong. It was, you know, it was a fight. It was starting to heat up. And he seemed to be on Andre's case a little bit when he didn't need to be. Benavidez was starting to get to Andre in the fourth round, though. And Andre was still holding his own. But I think a few of Benavidez's shots had bothered Andre a little bit. Um, then literally, with, it, with with a few seconds to go, Benavidez lands a big right hook to the temple of Andre. Down he goes. Um, he doesn't take another shot before the bell goes. He does get back up. But a 10-8 round for Benavidez, and it was starting to look bad for Andre. Round 5, 
A horrible round for Andrade. He was getting battered all over the ring. Huge round for Benavidez. He absolutely bludgeoned Andrade. And there were so many punches. That's the thing about Benavidez. You know, we talk about him like he just walks through everyone and throws, you know, he's like a wrecking ball. But there's so much... And, and you, you, you're going to probably talk about this, Eddie, when, when I come to you in a moment. But there's so much, I think, um, faults to his attacks that people don't talk about enough. Like, he has every single shot in the book. He'll throw the maddest shots. And, and they're all it's all calculated. Like, they all land. They all land in the sweet spots. He's such a heavy-handed guy. He can, bun- he can punch with both hands. And even though he walks forward and he's so aggressive, he's thinking all the time. He's he's throwing these these crazy shots. You know, not just the typical straight one, two, and the uppercut. Like, he will mix it all up in a way that you won't expect. And usually it looks amazing on a highlight reel. Um, he hurt Andrade several times in round five. And I felt the fight's pretty much over already at that point. Round six... That was where, at the very start of the round, Thomas Taylor told Andre to show him something. Um, Andre didn't really show him anything. He, he managed to somehow get through that sixth round. You know, for me, Benavidez was, was you know, it was like a slaughter, to be honest with you. I, I wrote here in my notes, the corner should stop this this fight here. You know, it was, it was tough for Andre. I think he took more punishment in rounds five and six than he's took in his whole 30 two fight career prior to that um so yeah Benavidez with the win retirement round six like I say and um I text you after the fight Eddie I said you know Benavidez is is just an absolute monster and we've seen more proof of it there the other night yeah 100 percent, man he he <laughs> he proved me right even though I went against myself he proved me right and, I, and it came a little earlier than I thought I thought maybe you know, seven to to nine would be like a crucial period where, you know, Andre would break down. But shit, man, in the fourth round, I saw his face. And the first three rounds, I thought I thought uh, Benavides did a great. I mean, uh, uh, Andre did a great job moving his hands, but and doing and in the movement, the the the, the, the skill, and it was just a lot to like from him there. But there's a big but in here. He was working way too hard to, to 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 keep him occupied. It was just way too hard. And then there were things that, and and, and to be honest, it looked like uh, David Benavides was in second gear. Not even not even revving. He was just just cruising. And every once in a while, you pick a shot to the head, like a little sneaky right hand, a winky right right hand. He would sneak it to the head. Then, then he would, you know, maybe sneak a little body shot in after he, after uh, Andre might spin, you know, try to spin out. Little shots here, little shots there, and he just was locking in. And you could see him slowly getting closer and closer and closer. And then I think if it was, a, if I'm not mistaken, the third round, he started. Uh, you could see it almost. You know, I could see it in his face almost look somewhat like desperation. You know what I mean? When you were starting to throw, when you start seeing those combinations, five, six punch combinations, and then like the jab to the body and, a, you know, another right hand. He was just, it was just constant. Andre was working way too hard just to get average results. And still after that, having Benavides continue to walk forward, continue to press. And like you said, Joe, it wasn't, 
that he was just doing it like caveman style. He was doing it intelligently. You know, certain shots he would pick, like I said, that winky right style right hand, some of the jabs he threw. You know, he was carefully calculating the distance. He was allowing Andre to take the play early at first, but then as the fight started to wear on and he knew that he was going to be put in that pressure and he knew his foot pressure and the constantly being in the face of Andre was going to eventually wear him down mentally, not necessarily physically up to that point, but mentally. And then in the fourth, when he caught him with that right hand that hurt him and dropped him, it was like, that was the beginning of the end. Like I knew, and he did, I think, I think, uh, Benavidez they're pretty decent in the third round as well but I knew at that fourth round it was the beginning of the end you know what I mean you could clearly see after the knockdown it was all downhill from there you know Andre tried to throw a couple of de- desperation shots on, on the inside he tried to try to walk him to the ropes hold him there for a second but it was just all in desperation there was just no way he could do any more and last that whole 12 rounds with the pace that Benavidez was putting on him and the and the, and the punches he was throwing and some of the combinations. It was just, it was definitely uh fourth round was beginning of the end. And I think when you look at him and his future is so bright, you know, whoever he faces is going to hell have a hell of a night fighting with this kid. He's just no nonsense to, you know, pedal to the metal, but also extremely intelligent how he does, how he administers the pressure. And, you know, as good as Demetrius Andre was, he had no chance, no chance in a distance fight with, uh, with um, David Benavides. Yeah, it was, it was a really, really brutal display from Benavides when he got going after a couple of rounds. Um, yeah. You know, I'd, I'd even go as far to say that Benavides is possibly the best finisher in the whole of boxing right now when he's got you hurt he does not let you off the hook and he knows how to close the show um you know wow it was it was a really thrilling fight i feel for andrade obviously i've got a soft spot for andrade um but yeah it was just it was i mean look you know he shouldn't really be up at super middleweight in my opinion especially in with a super middleweight as big as benavidez is but yeah benavidez i was looking at his age again and i I had to do a double take he's still only 26 you know he's never lost a fight amateur or pro he's been a two-time super middleweight world champion i think he's the youngest super middleweight world champion ever and um, he's just, honestly, they need, I mean, we need to see him fight Canelo next, I think, or at least someone, you know, I don't know, he's beaten a few good guys now, that was always the knock on him, it was like, well, his resume, his resume is not that good, because he doesn't want to fight these guys, who's he beat, that's what people used to say, and then obviously a great win here against Andrade, you know, that's a fantastic win, obviously the fight before that against Caleb Plant, both times he's, um, you know, he's, he's looked really good, only obviously went the distance with Caleb Plant, by the way, but he's looked really, really good. And um, yeah, I, I've always been a believer in Benavidez. I'm a massive fan of his. And yeah, just long may it continue. I cannot wait to see what his future uh, will be. You know, there's there's so many great fights that can be made for him. Like, <laughs> I'd like to see him in with um, um, what's his name? Uh, I think I'm I might be getting the weights a bit wrong, but David Morrell is David Morrell. A is he a is he a, is he a middleweight or super middle Dave Morrell? I think if I'm not mistaken, Joe, I think he might be a middleweight. I don't I don't know if he's a super middle. I think he might be a middle. I, I don't know. A... I could be wrong. I could be wrong. I could be wrong. 
No, no, no. He's a super middle. Yeah, just checked. He's a super oh, okay, middle. Cool. So yeah. All right, well, also, that's, that's that's that would be a hell of a fight. That it would be. It that's would right. be. He's been out of the ring for a while. That's why I couldn't see him. Um, no, no, tell a lie. No, he, no, he boxed earlier this year. So no, I must have missed his name. I think I was looking for an American flag and forgetting he's he's Cuban. Um, yeah, so yeah, that'd be a great fight. Um, I'm just having a look at some of these other names here as well. I, I wouldn't really want to see Munguia in with uh, Benavides. I'm, I'm not I'm not a massive fan of that one. I think Benavides Benavides would smash Munguia. Um, yeah, Canelo is really the, the 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 fight that we all want to see. Let's be honest. I don't think anyone else can beat him. Uh, in that in that whole division, maybe maybe he even beats Canelo. We'll have to see. It would be a fantastic clash of styles, that's for sure. If I was Canelo, I wouldn't want any piece of him. Um, and I do just want to mention as well the fact that Lamont Roach, that win against Hector Garcia. Hector Garcia has now lost two on the bounce, but Lamont Roach, a little bit of extra credit, I think, needs to be given to him because he was coming off 16 months out of the ring to come and win that world title as a big underdog. So fair play to him. All the best to him. Um, anyway, that brings the review part of the show to a close. It's now time to welcome this week's special guest. Ladies and gentlemen, please welcome the reigning WBC super lightweight world champion. It is, of course, the ever charismatic Mr. Regis Progre. Regis, welcome back on the show, my man. Thanks for having me, brother. What's up with it? Hey, it's always good when speaking with you, Regis. I mean every word of that. So we last spoke back in May. At that time, you were getting ready to fight Danielito Zuria. As fans, as media, we didn't expect much of Zuria. We thought it would just be a relatively easy fight. It was just a case of if you could stop him or not. However, a split right. decision. Many feeling that you were lucky to get the decision. You were also knocked down. It was ruled a slip, but you admitted it should have counted. Talk me through that fight. Did you just overlook this guy? What was it? Yeah, probably it's probably all that, you know, like mentally, you know, just just a lot of stuff going on, bro. Like in New Orleans, it was in hometown, you got a lot of stuff going on over there. At first it was supposed to be um, you know, we had I was supposed to be Leon Powell, then they changed it, you know, it they changed it like 3 weeks out, so then we had to stop, you know, we had to just change up sparring and all that type of stuff. And and then um you know he came just to run around he came to run around the ring and stuff like that so it was just it was it was everything just and then just having an off night you know having a bad night that's just you know that's what happens people have bad nights sometimes and I wanted to ask as well um, my last real question on it did you ever watch it back and score it and also what did you make of the scorecards from the judges that were in favor of you that night a bit too wide I think I never. I never watched it, bro. I never went back and watched it. You know, I just honestly, bro, I just kind of wanted to forget that fight. You know, it was um, it was a bad, it was a, it was just a bad night. It was a bad night of boxing. It was an off night, and yeah, I just I never went back. It wasn't even me in there, you know. So that's why I never, I never went and watched that fight. I let it, you know, I let it. I never, I don't even think I ever posted like a knockdown or something like that. I just let it kind of be what it is. That's all. All right, let's move on. Let's get to it. You'll be defending your title against Devin Haney, December the 9th in San Francisco, live on DAZN. What should we be expecting as fans for this intriguing fight? I'm going to punish him. I know I'm going to punish him. No matter how long it goes, if they go 12 rounds, I'm going to punish him for 12 rounds. I'm just, I, I know that, brother. Like, nothing he's going to do is going to be good enough. You know, I know he puts, he put on weight no matter if he wants to stay in the pocket, no matter if he wants to box around him, if he wants to turn southpaw. I just, I, I, I know that no matter what he does, is going to be better, like, good enough to beat me, bro. Like, I'm going to punish him. That's, that's what I know is going to happen. You know, I think he stepped in a pile of shit trying to fight me. Um, It's just, yeah, I think it's just, yeah, it's going, 
it's not gonna be good. That's all, man. I've been fucking like I've been in training camp for like four months already, you know. So luckily, you know, we down to the, you know, we down to the nitty gritty. We down to the last two weeks, and I'm just, I'm ready. I'm ready to just, you know, do me. I'm just ready to go out there and just, you know, do what I gotta do, defend my belt, and still keep my belt. And actually, just today, I watched the, the, you know, the DAZN face-off kind of thing with Chris Mannix. Um, uh-huh. I could see it's clear, like there's fire in you, like you, you seem really on it, really on it. That's something that obviously was missing for like the Zaria build-up. Um, one thing that uh-huh. I was very surprised to see, and I'm going to be honest, against Zaria, is your failure to consistently cut off the ring. You were following him around a bit too much. We know Devin is no way going to stand in the middle of the ring and bang with you. He'll be jabbing, he'll be moving. How important is uh-huh. it in your mind to be better at cutting off the the ring for this fight bro i can cut off the ring easily you know like i said the zorilla fight was just you know it was just a bad night it was just an off night that's all but you know that's what we've been that's literally what i've been working on the whole time not just cutting people off cutting people i mean i hope that they see that fight and watch that fight and think that same reason will come i really hope that that happens you know so you know you'll see you'll see me cut off the ring exactly like i need to do and um like I said, that's that's exactly what we've been working on the whole time, bro. And it's like now it's just um, you know, I can I'm a two time world champion. Obviously I can cut off the ring, but you know, nobody never ran like that from it, you know. So but we've been working on it. I just can't wait to show people what I've been working on, you know, that's all. And also in that in that um that show you had said, you know, a lot of people give Devin a lot of credit for, for his defence. And and you don't think his defense is as good as some people think it is. I agree. I think he's no. more so a master of getting the distance right than actually having a great defense. Mm-hmm. But you highlighted some very important things. He's been hit by many southpaws. He's been clipped by people like Linares as well. Very uh, worrying if you're a Haney fan. You know he's getting in here with surely the biggest puncher he's been in with. Um, but yeah, you you said on that DAZN promo, which is a great little promo where I think he goes, Regis, um, but you said, and I quote, everyone that's there, all your people, they're going to see you get knocked out. Do you stand on that, Regis? Does this fight end I in a knockout? I stand on that, though. I stand on that 100%. If it's not a knockout, it's a stop. If not, it's going to be punishment for 12 rounds. That's it. That's that's what I've been working on. It's going to be punishment for 12 rounds. So I, stand, I do stand on the knockout. I stand on the stoppage. But if not, it's gonna be it's gonna be worse for his health. If he stays in that with me for twelve rounds, it's gonna be bad for him. And I really, truly, truly stand on that. You know, um, I mean, I don't know if you heard about the rumors and stuff, but they are true. I actually, I actually broke somebody's fucking jaw in sparring. And we talk about with sixteen hours gloves on, head and sixteen hours gloves on. So I don't know if you heard the rumor or not, but it's definitely true and stuff like that. Obviously, I'm not gonna say nobody names and shit, you know. But yeah, I mean, I just. I think it's gonna be it's it's gonna be bad. It's it's not gonna be it's not gonna be what people think. It's not gonna be if he come in there and I don't think maybe he try I, I maybe Devin try to come and stand his ground for a little while, but once he feel that shit, he gonna be like hell no. And if he go ahead and get on his bike, then that shit is getting cut off. So, um, so yeah, bro, I'm just I'm just ready for like anything. That's it. And obviously, you spoke there about you know, getting the knockout, how do you see the fight playing out up until that moment? You said punishment, but punishment. How, how do you see it going, if you can get a bit deeper but into it? Punishment, is, I think it's deep, as far as, I mean, it's like, when I hit people, bro, it's, it's going to be a different reaction, you know, that's it. I think if you, if I'm not mistaken, I think I, I went to the, um, 
I went to the like everybody every every time I fought everybody I went to the neutral corner. That means I hurt every opponent. You know, even with the Josh Taylor thing, I I think I went to the neutral corner because they had to check his eye and stuff like that. So it's not gonna be no difference with Devin, bro. Like I, I feel like I'm definitely gonna go to neutral corner. I I definitely know that you know I'm gonna hurt him. You know, it's just like what I'm doing is. Like what I'm doing in sparring, what I'm doing in the gym is just is is this camp has been like really long and I mean I know everybody say this is the best camp of my life, you know. Um, you know, I don't want I don't want to sound cliche, but it's just excitement. The excitement around like this camp is different, you know, and like I said last time, so I'm just to give you a little spoiler, I, I actually got a book coming out. But anyways, the author is with me, you know, he, he kinda follows me around and he said he was like, you know, the last fight was a real like it was just like going through the motions. You know, this fight is different. It's just like we all excited about this. It's the excitement. Every day I wake up, is just excitement. You know, with the Zorilla fight, it was just like, it was. It was, it was just kind of going through the motions. You know, I still did everything. I still trained the same way. But, you know, mentally, it just was like, you know, it's like whatever. You know, that's all. But this fight is just, it's definitely different. It's, a, it's one of the biggest fights. It is the biggest fight ending up the year. So, um, man, I'm just, yeah, mentally, it's, it's, a, it's, it's just different right now. You said there about a book. I know that it's it's probably not um, uh, obviously finished just yet. But have you got any plans on doing like an audio book version? Because I'm into audio books yeah, right of course. now. Will you yeah, be doing course, the voice? <laughs> yeah, of course, of course. I, I do all that. Yeah, of course I'm going to do that, you know. Um, and that's what, you know, obviously it is actually pretty much done right now. I have a hard copy already right now, but... You know, I don't. I don't want to put it out right now because I'm focused. I still got, you know, two more weeks to go, so I'm focused on this fight. But you know, after the fight, you know, I'll be promoting. You know, I'll be promoting the book and all that stuff. But right now, it's like, you know, I'm I'm focused on the fight, so I don't even want to tell people too much that I got a book coming out. I just, you know, just just really want to focus on my fight, and then after that, then you know, we do something else. Absolutely, because yeah, I liked uh, Andre Ward's audio book. I've been getting into those recently. Mm-hmm. Um, you've you've been in the ring with some really good fighters. Is Devin better than anyone else you faced, Regis, or not? No, no, who's no. better than him I, out of I, your I resume? I can't see it. I mean, like Devin is. Listen, he's quick, he's fast, he's young, but I mean. I just think a harder fighter, you know, I mean, he, yeah, he has that style. He, he he might try to run around and jab and run around. But, I mean, I, I just think, like, I've been that way better. Even, like, somebody going back to my older days, like Ava Ramos or something like that, you know, I, I feel like, you know, they'll be harder to deal with, you know. Like, you know, Josh Taylor and Terry Flanagan. Taylor, Terry Flanagan was, you know, he was quick on his feet also. He jabbed, he was quick on his feet, and I end up, you know, I didn't stop him, but I end up dropping him in a super dominant fight. I think I went every round and super dominant in, you know, he expected me to come forward. And I just changed. I adjusted on him and just boxed him around. You know, so um, I don't. I don't think so. You know, even like a Josh Taylor is a pay to like. I mean, I, I think Devin has a bigger name. Obviously, he's a, he has a bigger name. He's undisputed at 35, but you know, I think he has. You know, he had really really good timing too. So I mean, timing is. I'm not talking about timing in the ring. I'm talking about timing as far as you know how you come along and stuff like that. I think he has really. He just had real good timing and stuff like that. That's all. So. Um, I mean, we'll see, but I, I I just don't see it. I don't see him being a, I don't see him being a tough test. I just don't. I mean, I'm training like you know, like I'm fighting, you know, King Kong. But at the same time, you know, it's it's gonna be different fight night. And and you gave me a a, a long and detailed answer there. Did you mention at the start of that um, question Terry Flanagan? Yes. Yeah. I, I, I said. Well, I was just yeah, gonna I say. Said Terry, you know. I, 
I fought him, and you know he was, you know he, but he was a southpaw. He was quick on his feet and stuff like that. And you know they obviously they expected me just to come forward, and I just boxed around him. I just kind of adjusted, and you know I, you know I didn't, you know knock him out, but I won every round, and I, you know I dropped him, and you know I was the first person to drop him and stuff like that. So yeah, bro. I mean I did, like I don't think that he's gonna be the. I just don't think he's gonna be the best. I fought champions, you know, like you know I keep telling people like I beat I like. He said he gonna beat the shit out of me, but he never beat the. He honestly, you know, who did he beat the shit out? Of? Like, what champion did he beat the shit out of? You know, and then stop him. You know, I beat the shit out of people, and I stopped every. Like, you know, I stopped people. That's it. In championship fights, like you know, like we talk about champ. We not just talking about anybody. Like, let's 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 say undefeated fighters, all championship fighters. Who did I beat? You know, who did I knock out in championship fights? And the record will tell you right there. Yeah, and just shout out, by the way, to Terry Flanagan. Um, a lot of people don't know this, but when he boxed Jose Zapata, the boots he was wearing, mm. I own those boots. <laughs> so okay, there we cool. go. That's cool cool little fact to add in there. Um, mm-hmm. I wanted to ask you as well, on paper, Devin is 30-0. and 0. In your mind, what should his record actually read? I heard he lost a fight, and somebody else said they, they, the dude, they paid him good in Mexico. He lost a fight in Mexico. That's what I heard. He's he, he twenty nine and one. I think that's the same record. I got twenty nine and one with fifty knockouts. If if I'm not mistaken, that's what somebody told me. And it's you know since I said it, it, it does. It keeps coming up. So you know obviously I wasn't there. I don't know how true it is, but you know people reliable sources telling me that it is true. So you know I'm not I'm not here to say if it's true or not. But shit, I'm definitely gonna I'm gonna call it out for sure. So you thought he did beat Lomachenko? Um, I think he did enough to keep the belts. Yes, okay. beat him. I don't. If it was listen, if it was like a just Lomachenko and Devin Haney, you know, without the belts online, you know, it could have went either way. But Devin Haney was the champion, you know. And if you're the champion, is like, did he do enough? Did Loma do enough to beat the champion? You know, probably. Uh, it's like it, it's hard to say that. But you know, if it was just those two, you know, maybe you could have gave it to Loma. But Devin was the champion, so you know you. That's what they say. You have to take it away from the champion, and I don't think Loma did enough to take it away from the champion. Fair enough. That's that's nice and honest. My final real question for you on Saturday night. Um, obviously, you're supposed to have all your concentration on Devin, but you did tweet that you'd love to fight Subriel Matias in 2024. Yes. Um, I wanted to ask, what did you make of his performance the other night? I thought he was brutally beautiful. <laughs> yeah, he looked good. He, same thing, bro. He was brutal. He, he was brutal. You know, he took the punches and he just beat the hell out the dude. You know, he, he just got this, that come forward style. But, you know, I, I, I know I'm a different monster and it's not going to be the same with me. You know, yeah, he, he took some punches, but the dude, I think, Ergashev, you know, he didn't, you know, he, he, he looked like he was kind of strong, but he was a, it looked like he just, he kept doing the same thing. He warmed down really fast. He warmed down really, really fast. And he Ergashev didn't really have no defense. He just he literally just leaned on his left side. That's all. And tried to push him off. So, you know, with somebody like that, you can't do that. You know, it's just he just kept walking him down and beating him up and you, you, you just can't you can't do that. So, nah, um but he looked good and I like I said, I, I at first they said Matias been calling me out for a while, and you know I, I didn't know who Matias was. You know, I think he fought on my undercard. Matter of fact, I think when I fought Terry Flanagan he fought on my undercard before, either Terry Flanagan or um or Relic, and he fought on my undercard and stuff like that. And now he became a champion, so I, you know, I got my eyes open. And now he just, you know, he just beat an undefeated fighter. So it's like, all right, you know, now my eyes is open. And now, 
you know, I told people what I want. I want the biggest. I, I just, I literally, I just want the biggest fights. And I think now, I think that is a big fight to make. So, you know, I'm with it. I'm definitely with it. We can do it. Yeah, it was. It was the Flanagan undercard. And just finally, Reed, just before we let you go, it's always fantastic having you on. Closing message to the listeners: if you want, if you want to sign out with something before we before we let you go, take it away, my man. Man, I'll, I'll see y'all December night, man. That's it. You know, I'm. Just, I've been busting my ass. I've been working so fucking hard right now. So you know, I just. Man, December 9th, I just can't wait to see everybody. If people are going against me, I want to make sure people, if you listen to this, you're hearing this, man, Make if you're going against me, make sure you bet something big against me, you know, so y'all can really feel, y'all can really feel it. That's what I want them to do. I want them to, you know, bet, bet something big against me and, you know, see what happens. There we go. Listen, Regis, as always, the pleasure is mine. Thanks for your time. Best of luck, December 9th, and we'll speak some other time. All right, bro. Thank you. Okay, now it's time for part two on this week's show. This part of the show, usually the news part, nothing to bring you. Uh, well, I suppose there's one thing to bring you, actually. A bit of a sad piece of news, actually. Um, it's that the fight that was going to be going down this weekend with O'Hara Davies and um, uh, Ishmael Barroso, that's going to be delayed now due to visa issues. Um, O'Hara had a bit of a issue I think, trying to travel to the US, so that fight's off. So that's the only thing. They're talking about a new date already. Um, They're being quite tight-lipped about it. O'Hara said, and I'm going to actually quote this, um, the the, the fight's going to be rescheduled. It will be announced within the next few days. But Oscar De La Hoya, the promoter, of course, has said it's been postponed to a later date. More information will be made available in the coming weeks. So it looks like we're probably not going to see that this year. It's it's going to obviously end up being next year, if if that's uh, if that's right. But yeah, O'Hara says days. Oscar De La Hoya says weeks. So I don't know what to make of that one. But anyway, going on to the preview part of the show. I'm going to start here tomorrow, Friday the 1st of December. I can't believe how quick this year's gone. Over here at the Bolton Whites Hotel in Lancashire, United Kingdom. It's going to be live on Channel 5. Um, we're going to see Isaac Lowe, friend of the show, 23-2 and two with three draws. No opponent just yet for him. I hope he does get a fight. Um, but yeah, no opponent just yet for him, and I don't know how many rounds it is. We're also going to see Nathan Gorman, 19-2, and two, getting in there with Bodan Myronets, who is 7-1. Um, and Chloe Watson as well, shout out to her, 6-0, and fighting for the vacant EBU European flyweight title over 10-2s against Justine Lalemand, who is 9-2 and with a draw. Moving now to the York Hall Bethnal Green, again this is tomorrow, I'm actually going to be at this card, it's going to be live on BT Sport. Gavin Gwynn tops the bill, 16-2 and with a draw, he gets in with Italy's Emiliano Marsili, who's 42-0 and with a draw, um... Marsili once upon a time beat Derry Matthews, and he's gone, I think, you know, around around uh, most of Italy. I would say padding up that record a little bit. No one's seen him fight for years by the sounds of it. It's for the vacant EBU European lightweight title. Gavin Gwynn, a massive, massive favourite there. So I don't know if there might be any point or... Or whatever back in Marsili because the odds are just are just crazy. Actually, uh, I don't think Gwyn is like a world beater by any means, but I don't know. We're going to see what happens there. Also on the card as well, Brad Strand ten and zero gets in with Joshua John, who's eight and one. That's over ten rounds for the WBO European Super Bantamweight title, which is currently vacant. We're going to see Sam Noakes eleven and zero with eleven KOs stepping in with Carlos Perez, who's nineteen and seven with two draws. This one is a defense of Sam Noakes WBC international silver lightweight title um 
Always great to see Sam Noakes fight. Obviously, friend of the show. 11-0 with 11 KOs. Trying to get to 15-0 with 15 KOs. But yeah, the man he gets in with, a Spaniard. Only been stopped once in his seven losses. It was to fellow Spaniard Samuel Molina just over four years ago. Um, since then, he's only lost one fight. And he's had one, two, three, four, five, six, seven fights. So he's uh, he's lost one of his last seven Um to Corey Gibbs, actually. Corey Gibbs. That one took place at the Sky Dome in Coventry in, uh, in last year. Um, okay, cool. Uh, what else do we have? We've got Raven Chapman, 7-0, and over 10 two-minute rounds against Lucy Sedlakova, who's 15-1 and with a draw. That one for the WBC International Featherweight title. Um, and also, a fight that we should mention, we've got a guy... On the card, um, who I ha- actually had to look up, guy's name is Aronzo Birardi. He's 6-0 and with 5 KOs, a cruiserweight from Germany. Um, just trying to look into him to see if I can find out a little bit more. I, I, I don't, I, I've got to be honest, I, I don't really know much about this guy. From Germany, born in Italy. Um, yeah, the interesting thing is he gets in with Ishmael Dufus. Um, oh, sorry, Israel Dufus, who's 20 and 10 with 17 KOs, been stopped five times in his 10 losses. Um, we've seen him give a few problems to Siobhan Clark, um, or Chivon Clark, two fights ago. He actually lost his last fight, but he's coming off four losses in a row, but he can bang as well, and he's showed some real toughness as well in certain fights. So this is a big step up, really, for a guy that's just 6-0. and So, um, yeah, I wouldn't be surprised if there was an upset there. We'll have to wait and see. I'm just basing it off the fact that I don't know much about Berardi and Dufus can bang and can be tough. So that could be interesting. Moses Italma's on the card as well, I believe. It's over six rounds. He's 6-0 and uh, with four KOs. No opponent just yet for him. It's going to be a last-minute put together, um, which isn't ideal. And also, uh, Royston Barney-Smith, 7-0, gets in with Michael Velasco, who is 10-13. That's over six rounds there. Um, Royston Barney-Smith has gone the distance over six rounds twice now, back-to-back. So, um, after a couple of back-to-back-to-back first-round knockouts. So, all the best to him. Moving now to this one, Eddie. It's very close to you. It goes down at the 2300 Arena in Philadelphia, Pennsylvania, USA. Friend of the show, Tevin Farmer. Another fight on his comeback trow. He's 32-5 and five with a draw. It's an eight-rounder against Patrick O'Kine, who's 21-6 and six with two draws. All the best there to Tevin. That, again, is tomorrow, so there's a few fights going down on this on this Friday. Uh, also on Friday, at the Red Owl Boxing Arena in Houston, Texas, USA. It's going to be live on DAZN. A couple fights to mention. Friend of the show, Malik Warren, 7-0, gets in with Daniel Bailey, who's 11-1. All the best there to Warren. That's over eight rounds at lightweight. And Giovanni Marquez, the prospect, the son of former world champion and friend of the show, Raul Marquez. He's 7-0. It's a six-rounder against Joshua Rivera who's 8-3. Moving now to Saturday, finally. This one goes down in Canada. We're going to see Ryan Rosicki. Um, he's 19-1. and one. It is a 12-rounder at Cruiserweight um, against Olan Ruaju Duradola, who's 43-9. and nine. Um, 
Duradola's quite frustrating, you know, he's, he's a massive, massive puncher, I remember, you know, thinking he could make it interesting against Richard Riakpour, and he was absolutely awful against Riakpour, and let's be honest, no one's seen him since then, however, I was quite surprised, because that was two years ago, I was quite surprised to realise that he's had seven fights in that time, and he's had seven knockout wins, Mo- well, I mean, all of them, I believe, going down in Nigeria, he's gone, or, or, or a couple of them in Ghana, by the looks of it. But he's gone back to Africa and he started knocking out all of the, all of the local boxers. And he's back here on the big stage in Canada over 12 rounds. Like I say, Ryan Rizicki, 19 and one with 18 KOs, and Duradola, 43 and nine with 40 KOs, seven stoppage defeats. So there's no way in the world this one's going the distance. Um, I'd love to see Duradola pull it off, to be honest with you. Some uh, decent price that you can get on him to win by KO. It's always worth a punt. 40 KOs from 43 wins. Man. Anyway, moving to Germany at the Ludwigsburg MHP Arena in Ludwigsburg, Baden-Württemberg. Probably saying that awfully wrong. In fact, definitely saying that awfully wrong. But we're going to see a rematch here. Felix Sturm, 43-6 and six with three draws, former world champion, in an instant rematch with a guy called Sukru Ute, who's now currently 15-3. and three. In the last fight that they had, a lot of people felt that Ulte won that fight against Felix Sturm, and Felix Sturm got the decision. A lot of people felt that Ulte pretty much battered Sturm, and Sturm was very, very fortunate to get the decision, but here's the rematch. It goes down over 10 rounds at light heavyweight. Uh, All the best to both men. Moving now to the Winter Gardens in Blackpool, United Kingdom, over here. This is on Saturday as well. Friend of the show, Bradley Ray. 15-1 15-1 in a six-rounder at super middleweight against Adam Sislak, who's 6-12 and 12 with a draw. Nice little run out for Bradley Ray before the year ends. All the best to him. Moving now to the final two cards to mention. We're going to start here at the SSE Arena in Belfast, Northern Ireland. This one's going to be live on the zone. It's quite an intriguing card, to be honest with you. Um... Right, let's touch on the undercard. Let's start with this one here. We're going to see Sean McComb, 17-1, and stepping in the ring with Sam Maxwell, currently 17-2. and It's over 10 rounds there at Super Lightweight. Uh, really good fight. I just want to be brief on it. Sean McComb um, looked... Well, he frustrated me a little bit against Casey Benjamin. I thought I thought that Casey Benjamin was quite poor, and I wasn't that impressed with Sean McComb. Um, I, I remember going back to when he quit, badly quit against Gavin Gwynn. Um, that still, for me, is, is a really... Uh, that's like a, a thorn in his side, if you like. I really kind of... That was such a bad quit that... I've always kind of struggled whenever he gets in like a, you know, a big fight with a guy that is capable. I'm always a bit like, oh, you know, he could lose this. Um, I don't know if he's going to lose to Sam Maxwell. Sam Maxwell has been stopped in both his losses and at times has looked pretty average, to be honest with you, which is kind of mad considering he was a good amateur. Been in there with Lomachenko as an amateur and the rest of it. But um, yeah, he's been stopped in his two losses. However, they've come late. You know, he got stopped in round nine and got stopped in round seven. Um, in his most recent fight to Dalton Smith, Sean McComb has got a completely different style. He's going to try and box and move, you'd imagine. So this might be a fight where Sam Maxwell can 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 do a bit better than he's done in those previous losses. I think he's not going to. 
it's going to be more his fight, more of a chess match, I think. It might not be the best fight to watch, that one. Also on the card, good intriguing contest between Kivon Agiarko, 13-0, and former British champion and friend of the show, Troy Williamson, 20-1 with a draw. It's over 10 rounds there. It's a pick em fight, it really is. Um, the slight favourite is... Agiarko, Troy Williamson as they're very close in the odds, but Troy Williamson's a slight underdog. Agiarko's a slight favourite. I'd love to see Williamson do it. I think he needs a you know needs a big win really to get his career back on track. Lost to Josh Kelly and now um, come back with a nice easy win and now gets in with Agiarko in Ireland uh, or should I say Northern Ireland before I get people tweeting me. Um, but yeah, it's interesting because Josh Kelly's been helping him in his preparation, even though Josh Kelly beat him, or the only, he's the only man to have beaten him just two fights ago. So yeah, that's interesting. Um, and I'd love to see Troy Williamson win, like I say. Another good fight on the card. It should be good. Uh, Tyrone McKenna, 23-3 and with a draw. Gets in with Lewis Crocker, who's 17-0. and That's over 10 rounds there. I think Lewis Crocker will win that one. Uh, probably on points because McKenna, for all his... Uh, downfalls is quite a tough guy uh, Michael Conlon in the main event 18-2 and two. he is coming off that knockout loss to Luis Alberto Lopez, he gets in there with Jordan Gill who's coming off a knockout loss to Kiko Martinez um, you know, I think it's I, I, look, I think both guys are not obviously world level at all and I don't think either man's ever going to win a world title, I think we've seen the rise and fall of both men really Jordan Gill he took a real shellacking against Karim Gwerthy. Even though he managed to get the knockout in one of the fights of 2022, he took a real shellacking. And then he got in there eight months later with Kiko Martinez and got battered in just four rounds. And Martinez, we know, ended up retiring in his next fight after that, um, which was only six months later. And he was really, you know, pretty much done Kiko Martinez at that point. That was his last significant win of his career, his really long career. So what I'm trying to say is basically um, Jordan Gill's coming off two batterings in a row, two fights that put mad miles on his clock, and he hasn't boxed in 14 months. He gets in with Michael Conlon, who, like I say, I think is very limited, and again, took a battering against Luis Alberto Lopez. I don't know what he's going to be like coming off that defeat, but it was only seven months ago, and he also boxed Karim Guerfi last year, but he managed to knock Guerfi out in a round, whereas, like I say, Jordan Gill struggled with him up to the stoppage in round nine, so there might be something to read into there. But, um, yeah, I wouldn't be surprised if Jordan Gill was to pull it off, because I don't really rate Con Conlon that much, but at the same time, I don't rate Gill that much, so it'll be intriguing, but again, I don't I don't really think that there's a bright future for either guy. And coming to the final card, like I say, it's a shame that we're not going to see um, O'Hara Davies on this card. But we will see Floyd Schofield, 15-0, gets in with Ricardo Lopez Torres, who's 17-7 with three draws. We're also going to see a man that we give a lot of credit to, uh, uh, Eddie, because we've seen him get better and better and better. Shane Mosley Jr., he's 20 and 4. He gets in with uh, Ish uh, sorry, Ishmael Barroso. Joshua Conley, who's 17 and 5 with a draw. Um, yeah, could be interesting there. It's, it's, another, it's another decent test. Joshua Conley, um, who did he 
he's coming off two losses, but he, he hung in there and went 10 rounds with Sergei Derevyanchenko back in July of last year. Obviously been in there with the likes of Carlos Adames, the likes of J-Rock. Um, he's more of an opponent, kind of known for his losses. But um, yeah, Shane Mosley Jr. has really impressed me. Um, three wins in a row now. Obviously beat Gabe Rosado in a fight I weren't sure he'd win. Um, and then, yeah, most recently knocking out Demetrius Ballard, which was a good win. So he seems like he's getting better and better. It's going to be good to see him out again. And, yeah, the main event, Ryan Garcia, 23-1, and steps in with Oscar Gerardo or Gerardo, who's 26-1 and with a draw. It's over 12 rounds there. Um, Got to be honest, I've seen the, the face-off, and Gerardo looks, looks quite a big boy. Um, 21 KOs from his 26 wins. But to be honest with you, I don't know too much about the guy. I've looked for his record, a couple of recognisable names, particularly an eighth-round KO against Alex Martin. Alex Martin's quite a good fighter. That was the only time he's ever been stopped, Alex Martin. I remember him fighting Michael McKinson. He also beat Hank Lundy, but then he got knocked out in eight rounds. So the first time he'd ever been stopped, and that was he, that was um, just in March of this year. So that's a good win there. Um, but like I say, other than that, I don't know too much about the guy. And obviously, Ryan Garcia is the big favourite, so uh, can't can't offer too much there, unfortunately. But it'd be good to see Ryan back again because um, he's had a bit of a tough time as well. You know, things haven't gone too smoothly for him after losing to Javante Davis. It took eight months to get a, you know to get a fight on. I don't think he took crazy amounts of damage there, so uh, I don't know what he's been up to in all that time out. But it'd be good to see him back. Hopefully. You know, his, his mind's in the right place. He's had a few struggles outside of the ring that we all know about. So, um, yeah, hopefully he's in a good place on Saturday night. It's going to be good to see him back because for all his flaws and all the rest of the hate that he gets, I think he's a really good fighter and he showed it in in the amateurs. For those that doubt him, you always say, go and look at his amateur career and then come back to me. And they don't seem to come back to you because you see he beat a lot of good guys in the amateurs, including Haney, Devin Haney, multiple times. Anyway, that brings the preview part to a close. In part one, we did the review part. Then we welcomed our special guest. In part two, there was one little tiny piece of news. His Sad times for O'Hara Davies. And then we did the preview part. The final thing for me to do is to come in with the outro, which I'll do in just a few seconds. Okay, and this wraps up episode 424 of the Box Hard Podcast. I've been your host, Joey Coastman. Eddie Chambers has been with me for the duration of the show. A huge shout-out to this week's special guest, the reigning WBC super lightweight world champion, Mr. Regis Progray. The biggest thanks of all, though, goes out to you, the listeners. Thanks once again for tuning in. That's about everything from myself, though. Enjoy your weekends, people. Stay safe, and we shall see you all again next week.